Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Kramer Bros Podcast. This is the second eldest lion, and I've actually been thinking through that nickname. Um, there's just something about Steven being called the eldest lion that has a little bit more ring to it. Uh, maybe it's it's because it insinuates um, having been through the battles and the, the wisdom that comes with being the eldest lion. And then Micah being the youngest lion, um, it insinuates uh, energy and opportunity. And there's just not the same ring to the second eldest lion. And so today, I'm going to be the lone lion. Uh, this is an independent episode, just me. I wanted to check in. I haven't been in or on in a while. And it is the morning of the NBA restart. And I'm also going to discuss the transcendent talent Amoni Bates committing to Michigan State, which was at the end of June. And I want to discuss with myself and you guys what that might look like. Um, I'm really excited about both of these things that are taking place. And first, I'll just quickly go over for me what this NBA restart um, has me excited about. And I think as I've been going through it and trying to determine, you know, is this going to really satiate my desire for an NBA season. And the more I've considered it, the more I've realized, yes, it is. Uh, obviously, there haven't been the same level of sports being played or being shown on TV. And so I'm hungry uh, for that type of thing. But also, anytime you can be given the opportunity to judge players and, and those that are professionals in their sport on a new kind of scale and what this this season and this opportunity is presenting in terms of just a unique way of being able to kind of flex your muscle. And so there's been players that we've seen be successful like LeBron James, like a Kawhi Leonard at the, at the highest level. So in the NBA finals, um, but this is going to be different. There's not going to be uh, tens of thousands of fans packed into an arena and you're essentially playing inside of an empty arena and also after the games, there's not quite the same flurry of, of media and coverage in the same way. Um, you're going back to your own hotel room, although there have been rumors that LeBron has an entire building just for himself and his team. Uh, but there's just a lot of things that make this different and make them challenging. And so I personally am really excited just to see who kind of steps up and takes this opportunity to be like, hey, even though it looks different, I'm still going to show the world and show the rest of my peers inside this bubble that I'm that dude or that we have that team. And I think it's interesting that, um, you know, we've been somewhat critical of LeBron James on this podcast and maybe even more so since the last dance with Michael Jordan came out. So what I want to see personally is because we know what Michael Jordan would have done inside the bubble, he would have talked himself and, and built a, a chip on his shoulder and he would have said, hey, I'm in here with with just my peers, just the guys that, you know, are supposed to be uh, a challenge to my throne. And he would have absolutely obliterated them. He would have used this as an opportunity to say, despite the fact there's no fans, despite the fact that this looks a lot different, I'm going to crush these guys. And for me, there's a couple of players that I want to see do that. And it's going to be LeBron. Now, I know that he thrives off media attention and giant crowds, and those are things that he really uses 
to give himself energy. And I want to see if he can dominate in a setting like this. And I, and I, I think that he can, and I think that he will. Um, the other one is Kawhi Leonard. He's obviously fresh off a, a great run with the Toronto Raptors, and this hasn't been the first season with the Clippers that we expected just because obviously load management and um, we never really totally got to see what him and Paul George uh, looked like on a, a larger sample size. But can he kind of tap back into those that playoff prowess that he's been able to do really throughout his entire career? And then the other one is Giannis. So he's kind of the the up-and-comer. He's already got an MVP, but this would be a situation that I think is ideal because I think young legs are really going to help. And he's hungry, man. So here you have a player like Giannis who's like, okay, who's up first? It's probably going to be the Magic or the or the Nets. That's, that's no problem in the first round. Um, he'll probably only have to play like 24 minutes a game in that series. And then he's going to be gearing up for what promises to be some pretty tough series after that, just because the East is so is so well rounded. Um, so I'm really excited. I, I'm really really excited, and I think that this actually uh, opens the door in a new way for some different teams to really thrive. Because I'm imagining it like an AAU tournament on steroids. And so for for AAU tournaments, you have these teams that are you know all traveling together, all staying in the same hotels, um, and you're not playing in front of a ton of fans necessarily, but there are some guys who kind of coast through a, an environment like that. You say, this this isn't real. This doesn't really matter. And so are we going to see that play out? And then are they just going to get tossed by guys that are like, nope, this is this is what's in front of me and I want to show the world you know, what I'm all about. And I think that that's going to be a really interesting as we see right away just how some teams really need wins. So we were talking, you know, the the Trailblazers. They are in the nine spot right now, and I think that they would actually give the Lakers quite a bit more trouble. Um, they got their big men back, and they're healthy. They're looking good. And then they have those two guys and Damian Lillard and C.J. McCollum that are just like gunslingers, like sometimes you see on the on the AAU circuit where they'll come in and they have no conscience and they're just going to try to destroy whoever's in front of them, even if they're not necessarily on the same level as someone like a LeBron or an Anthony Davis. Um, so that's going to be really interesting. As much as I would want to see John Morant or Zion Williamson have to cut their teeth in the playoffs, uh, just for the sake of competition, I would rather see the Trailblazers in that eight spot and try to give the Lakers a run for their money in the first round. And I think that that's going to kind of be the storyline, at least for the Lakers. It looks like they're going to hold on to that one spot. Um, they do not want to see Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum and crew in that first round. And it's not to say that, that it's because they're going to lose, but it's to say that that's one round earlier where you probably have to ask LeBron to do a little bit more than he wants to do um, than he would have to do against the Grizzlies or the Pelicans. Um, and he might even have to guard a little bit in that series. They, they're missing Avery Bradley. They're missing Rajon Rondo. Uh, these are guys, they added J.R. Smith, who is not going to be a stopper. Um, and so do you really want to dig into those uh, energy reserves that early? I don't know that the Lakers do. 
Um, but we're gonna we're gonna see. It's just a different it's just a different look than what the Bucks are facing uh, in their first round in their first round series. Okay, so I'll quickly go over who I think is going to come out of each respective conference. Uh, for the East, I think it's the Bucks. I think that they are uh, well suited to this environment. They just have a lot of depth. They have a lot of shooting, and I think that they probably learned a lot last year when they lost to to the Raptors. Of like, okay, what do we do when Giannis can't get it going? And what it looks like when Giannis can't get it going is it still tends to look like about 30 and 12, um, but he he isn't quite as efficient. So you throw a lot of bodies at him, you clog the paint, um, and that can make it really difficult. And so what the Raptors, they were able to do that last year. And obviously they had Kawhi Leonard that uh, at the end of that series went on to guard to guard Giannis, and that can only help too. So I'm, I'm betting on the fact that the Bucks. Well, they didn't necessarily add a bunch of pieces like a lot of other teams did this past year. Each of their pieces, I think, got better. So, you know, who is that? Um, I think Bledsoe could be a little bit more consistent. I know that he's not a young guy, and, and what we see is what we get most likely. Um, but can he be a little bit more consistent? Can someone like Pat Connaughton, Dante DiVincenzo hit those open shots? I think that I think they're going to be able to do that in this type of setting. And they're really, really young. Uh, I think outside of George Hill, you know, they're just a, a still they're a really young team. And so I think that this environment is suitable for the Bucks. And I still don't know that Giannis has the same type of pressure on him that someone like a LeBron would. Um, maybe I'm wrong. I know that in his mind, he's probably putting a lot of pressure on himself, particularly with like free agency coming up. And if the Bucks just flame out in this series, is he going to consider going somewhere else? I hope not. Uh, but they just seem suited to, to be able to run through the East. As for the West, it uh, pains me to say it, but I think it's going to be the Lakers. I just haven't seen enough from the Clippers. Uh, if they're healthy and they can guard at an extremely high level, uh, maybe throwing Kawhi and uh, Paul George at LeBron, you know, intermittently or kind of spreading those guys out a little bit defensively on someone like LeBron, that is a slog. That is a tough series. Um, but I think it would go the distance between those two teams because I also don't think the Clippers have an answer for Anthony Davis and he's playing like some of the best basketball of his career. It doesn't hurt to play with LeBron. Um, but they don't have an answer for that as much as the Lakers might not have an answer for the two-headed monster of, of Kawhi and Paul George. So I think that that in the finals, it's going to end up being the Bucks and the Lakers. And if I had to give an edge, I would give it to the Lakers. Um, they're just playing at a super high level. Nobody really expected them, I, I don't think, to have the number one seed in the West, even though it's a shortened season. Maybe the Clippers would have caught them. I don't really think so. Um, but they, they've kind of taken it upon themselves to be like, all right, yeah, we'll get that one seed. And try to run through this Western conference and, and meet the bucks in the finals. And I think that that would be a really good, a really good series. And I'm just not sure yet if the bucks would be there in that matchup. I think I'd have to give the edge to LeBron and Anthony Davis in that Giannis does not have that type of help, obviously. And so to me, the Lakers would take that. So that's my, that's my prediction is that the Lakers are going to end up being the bubble champions.
All right, so the next thing that I want to touch on is the transcendent talent, uh, the impossibly skilled, impossibly competitive player Amoni Bates has committed to Michigan State, and I know that this is a bit of old news, um, but the, the, the good news keeps rolling in for Michigan State in terms of recruitment, and you know that uh, we on this podcast are Michigan State fans, and this has been a really exciting time and a hopeful time. Uh, which, which I'm I'm really glad for. We have no idea what this is actually going to look like, just because the college basketball landscape is so strange with uh, coronavirus and how it might actually affect the season, whether it's played in the same way or not. Uh, but also just the fact that these really highly ranked players are being given more options, or at least understanding what more of their options are when it comes to basketball past high school. And so uh, for a player like Amoni Bates or even um, another other highly ranked players, even though he's clearly the, the cream of the crop, is that after high school, if you are good enough or seen as good enough, you can go to the G League immediately and claim one of their roster spots and actually make a pretty decent chunk of money. I think that each team G League team has at least one roster spot where they can pay you uh, close to half a million dollars a year and a lot of the top ranked players could try to go directly out of high school and claim one of those spots and get paid immediately although I would say if you go to uh, like a Kansas or Arizona maybe you can get paid about that same amount of money anyway Um, or you can continue to go to college And typically, the reason players will do that is because they know that they can go to a top-tier program and get a ton of publicity and media attention and really try to shape and build their brand while they're in college for that one year. And so that's still an option. Uh, We saw, obviously, someone like Zion Williamson, who he could have gone overseas and made probably quite a bit of money uh, doing that. But he saw the value in going to a place like Duke, being on ESPN all the time, and really um, shaping his brand and securing himself just a ton of options once he declared for the draft in terms of endorsements and uh, shoe companies just lining up because he really showed his personality throughout his year at Duke. And so that's going to be one of the main reasons that top-tier players will still choose to go to college despite this additional opportunity that's in the G League. And then the other more discreet opportunity, which has been around much longer, is to go overseas to Europe and play. So we saw players uh, like Brandon Jennings, I think, did it as early as 2009, where he went over for one year um, and collected you know, a million dollars to play for a year and then declared for the draft the next year once he was old enough to do that. So all those things would be on the table for a player like Amoni Bates. Um, He doesn't technically graduate until 2022, but he's already been the Gatorade National Player of the Year as a sophomore. He's seen as the best player regardless of class. And from what I've read and from what I've watched, it's really really not even close. Like he could possibly be a number one pick right now in the NBA uh, just because just because he's that talented. So Michigan State has had a big year. 
All right. They they won my honorary national championship. Once once COVID caused the season to be cut off, I immediately crowned them them champions. And so that's a that's a big deal. And then they go right from winning my national championship to getting uh, these recruits. So it started with Pierre Brooks, who is a four star and he's a really good player. Actually, Micah played against him uh, at USA, I think during Pierre Brooks freshman season. And he was already at that time, maybe like a six two, six three guard. I was at that game and he could, he was polished, man. He could score in a variety of ways. He's, he's big. He's not like someone that you're really worried about getting pushed around too much in his freshman season. Um, pretty athletic for, for his size. So his body doesn't really scream like athleticism, but he is pretty athletic. Uh, he's crafty and he can shoot. And now I think he's grown to like six, five. So he's just going to be one of those players that Michigan state loves to have because you know, he's going to be there for at least a couple of years, if not longer, and just grow and develop uh, in a way that's going to be be really helpful to the team year in and year out when he's on it. And then uh, you've gotten Amoni Bates to commit, and he's not in that same recruiting class as Pierre Brooks. He's technically a year after, but there's this opportunity for Amoni to reclassify and come to Michigan State in 2021. And the reason he would do that would be if just high school basketball is way too easy. And I think he's already proven that that's probably going to be the case. I think in his junior year, if there is a season, he's going to probably average like 35 and 10, dominate. And you're going to see him on the national uh, stage because he's going to a prep school. And Michigan athletics does not allow public schools to, or, or private, um, I don't believe, to travel outside of the state and play better competition. And that's really hurt our high school basketball in terms of, you know, we have guys like a Miles Bridges who probably um, should have stayed at his school in Flint had there been opportunities for him to play competition from outside the state during the season. But because the MHSAA doesn't allow that, then he decides to transfer to a prep school out of state so then he can play in some of those games that might be on ESPN or against other prep schools with high-level talent. Uh, we're going to be able to see Amoni do that because he's starting his own prep school, and he will now finally be able to play against some of the best teams in the country. So year in and year out, you might see teams like Oak Hill, a couple of teams from California, these other schools that are playing for each other and then they're crowned kind of an honorary national champion at the end of the year, you know, if they go 32-1 and one or, or 30-0. and oh. And he's going to have an opportunity to do that and to play against those guys and really show what he's all about. So it's a really exciting prospect. And I know that there's a lot that can happen between now and when he actually steps foot on campus, when or if he steps foot. I'm hopeful right now. Um, for, for a couple of reasons. He seems to be a really loyal kid. And Izzo is one of the only coaches that recruited him simply because we thought at the time that the NBA would have changed the rule by now to allow high school players upon graduation to declare for the draft. Uh, if that were the case, I think that Amoni would be finishing out his two years of high school and then going on to be the number one pick in the NBA. We're not sure if that rule is going to be changed, and that's really altering a lot of things. It was expected that in 2022 that would be worked into the agreements, 
between I think the Players Association and the NBA and that those guys would start to be able to funnel themselves into the NBA directly. I don't think that that's going to happen. And so here we are with a a player who is legitimately the best prospect since LeBron James. And I would say, I want to say this as I was thinking about this yesterday, is that we probably technically should be saying the best prospect since Kevin Durant. But the reason we don't is because we didn't really know what we had with Kevin Durant when he was in high school. So we watched him uh, come out of high school, go to Texas, and just completely dominate with these with this impossible level of skill in an impossibly tall body and an impossibly skinny body. And he was doing things on the court that we couldn't quite wrap our heads around at the time. And so he was still only the number two pick when he probably should have went ahead of Greg Oden. Greg Oden was not a bad pick, um, but at the time, you know, a lot of teams were looking for a center, and so they, they picked Oden ahead of him, and obviously we've seen the way that that's worked out. But Amoni has the benefit of so many people having become accustomed to watching Kevin Durant dominate for the last 10 years, and now we're kind of like, oh, okay, so – Amoni Bates, there is that bit of a blueprint ahead of him, and we see what he could be. And the comparisons, I mean, they're really all too easy to make. Like Amoni Bates is 6'9 right now, super, super skinny. He kind of has the body type where you wonder if he'll ever be able to put muscle on, uh, kind of like Kevin Durant, where he's 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 gotten bigger throughout his time in the NBA, but um, he's just never going to be one of those guys that that you look at and you're like, like a Kawhi Leonard where you're just like, dude, or a LeBron, dude, this guy is just jacked, but he still does these things that are just, just like I said, hard to wrap your head around. And so Amoni has that benefit where Durant has blazed this trail for him and said like, who cares if I couldn't bench 185 at the combine? Like that literally could not mean less. And yes, there were people during the combine when Durant couldn't bench uh, his body weight. I was like, oh man, I really don't know if this guy's going to be a success in the NBA. Okay. Bench pressing in no way correlates to success on the basketball court. So now everybody is able to look and say, I think Amoni can step in from day one and be, and be a, a franchise guy. Um, and this kid picked Michigan State because Izzo was one of the only ones to recruit him. Because they all the coaches thought that, that that rule for 2022 was going to go and pass and that he would never even sniff a college campus. Well, that's not the case. And a lot of things are going to have to fall in place for him to actually come to campus. But the way it's going right now, they actually are kind of falling into place. So there's some legislation that could be passed where uh, players are going to be able to profit off of their likeness while in school. So that could mean anything from endorsement deals. So is that a shoe company? Uh, could it possibly be uh, like soda brands? Uh, a million different things. All the way to a player could sell their autograph and finally profit off of it, which is insane that that, that has not been the case so far. But he can do that. So he can come to a program like Michigan State, which gets a ton of national TV space each year. They're probably playing close to a dozen, if not more, games on ABC, ESPN, uh, stations like that, and get paid 
for his likeness while he's on campus. And so no longer is there this these players, these high-level players having to choose a college and then say either A, great, I can't even get paid, so now I just have to hope that, that I don't get hurt and I build my image uh, well enough in my only year of college. Or there's the players that, that choose a high-level program or not even a high-level program and say, great, now I have to hide this money that I'm getting paid by these institutions uh, under the table. So we've seen that, like, I think Arizona gets caught pretty much every year. Um, Kansas, there's a ton of things that happen with them in terms of eligibility and things that come out, you know, after one of these guys leaves. And so there's really not going to be the same level of risk in terms of if there's a player who feels like he needs to accept some money, whether that's to provide for his family uh, or whatever it might be, there's not that same risk. He can get legitimate checks from places like Nike, or Pepsi or Gatorade or whatever it is. And I think that that really uh, bodes well for Michigan State actually seeing Amoni Bates on campus. So the last thing that I want to cover is what it actually means for recruiting when you score someone like Bates. Now, a lot of things have to go right. It helps that he just happened to be born in Michigan and that Izzo happened to decide it might be worth his trouble to pay some attention to this kid on the recruiting trips um, in case it panned out that he would ever want to come to Michigan State. And now we've seen, so Pierre Brooks was the first recruit to commit, and he's a great commit. He's a four-star He's going to be an awesome asset to the program, but he's not the type of like earth shattering uh, commit that you're going to see from someone like Amoni Bates. So Amoni, he commits. And then shortly after five-star shooting guard, Max Christie commits. And in most Izzo years, he doesn't get a five-star recruit. So Max Christie committing alone would would make this cycle a pretty big success. So, so what Izzo does is he tends to sprinkle big recruits every couple of years in with recruits that are going to uh, at least be around for two, three, four years. And then that's how he finds success on the basketball court. So had we just only gotten Max Christie, that would have been a pretty big deal. Um, we just don't get five stars on the same level that, it, that places like Kansas and Duke do. All right. So after Max Christie commits, then this new center, who's a five-star by some accounts, Enoch Bak, Bakway, I think, something like that, uh, is the number one recruit in Canada, and Izzo scoops him up. And so you're seeing these guys who say, no, I actually, I want to play with Amoni Bates. And he's that transcendent of a talent, and they're deciding to maybe create some type of super team. So we have this generation that plays with all the best players in their city, in their state, sometimes even just like a region of the country. You get these players, and this has been the case for a long time, obviously because the best players uh, end up on the best teams. But guys are really willing to play with each other. And I think they're less worried about how many shots are going to go around uh, what that might look like. And so then you see these these teams pop up every once in a while in college where it's just like five stars down the board and then it's up to the coach to figure out how to make that work. And we saw that last year with a little bit with Duke or a couple years ago with Duke. 
uh, where they had Zion Williamson, Cam Reddish, uh, one of the Jones brothers, like all these pieces that they had to figure out how to put together. And obviously Michigan State beat them in the tournament that year. Um, but it was kind of one of those things where Coach K had to figure out how to use all these really high-level pieces. And that's going to be the challenge for Izzo if all these guys do end up coming on campus is how do we how do we get these high-level recruits and not just high-level recruits, but like players that only come around once in a decade, once in 15 years in terms of Amoni Bates. Um, like how do you not waste his talent? Uh, but at the same time, we understand that not just one player can get it done in college basketball and figuring out how to uh, change the style of play that's going to most suit the players that, that are on the team at the time and plugging in different role players, figuring out how to take a kid who probably expected to be a star and, and say, hey, I'm sorry, but this year we actually need you as more of a role player. What do you do with a player like D.A. Brown, who's probably ready to, to break out in his junior or senior year um, and is like, hey, I got, I have dreams and aspirations of going pro too. Like I need to get mine. So how do you, how do you talk to someone like that and figure out how to, how to tell him that the team success is based on him almost having to take a step back? And I think that the same would be said for someone like Rocket Watts, who I think will play in the NBA one day, but, but has to really, be reined in maybe a little bit again, just, just for the betterment of the team. So it's a great problem to have, but it can be a problem. And I'm just really, I am genuinely excited for obviously the, the prospect of all these guys coming on campus and having multiple five-star recruits on the same team. Um, and I also am hopeful because I think Izzo is at a point in his coaching career where He's kind of been like, oh, listen, I, in some ways, he pissed away uh, having Miles Bridges on his team at the same time that he had a Jaron Jackson. And we saw that play out in the tournament. Um, and so, has he learned from those things? Has he figured out, like, you know, when I have players that are this talented, I have to adjust some things? Um, they're not going to maybe be adjusting to me in the same way. And I'm the one that has to figure out how to to put guys that are so talented uh, in positions to use their skills and not box them in. Like sometimes a lot of coaches will end up boxing players in and it ends up hurting, hurting the team. So I think that Izzo is at a point in his career where he is going to effectively be able to do that. And just getting these guys on campus and even the, the thought of having them there is just really, really exciting. And so that's, kind of where everything stands right now in terms of the recruits for Michigan State, fresh off their honorary 2020 national championship crowned by me, uh, what the future could look like and why it might not look that way because there are, there's a lot of opportunities for high level players um, after high school now. And really they're in a position where they can choose what they think is best for their future. And that's actually pretty cool. So now we just have to hope as Michigan State fans that they decide um, that coming to campus is what is best for them. So anyway, I'd been needing to get this stuff off my chest for a long time. As soon as I saw Amoni, Amoni commit, I was like, nah, you know what? Don't get too excited. There's a lot of things that could happen. And then I said to myself, life is, is so crazy right now. It's so uncertain. We don't know what the sports landscape is going to look like. 
How about you just be optimistic? And so that's what I've decided to do. I'm, I'm so stoked to see Amoni on campus in 2022, possibly sooner if he reclassifies. Um, but yeah, here we are. It's the morning of the NBA season resuming. I think tonight we have uh, the Pelicans versus the Jazz, which should be a great matchup. And then we also have the Clippers and the Lakers, which could, depending on how these guys come out and compete, it could kind of give us a preview of the Western Conference Finals. So I'm really excited to be back uh, watching sports again. And I hope that this rambling and excitement about having the NBA back and then also the future of Michigan State Athletics uh, was helpful for you guys or at least was entertaining. Well, thank you guys so much for joining us. Uh, If it's not too much to ask, please leave a rating and a review. It helps with all the algorithms um, and getting uh, some type of legitimacy towards our towards our operation here. We really enjoy bringing you guys content and hope that you enjoy listening. Have a great day. Peace. Peace.